Dr. Barbara Byers again, and I welcome you from wherever you're watching. This is the second in the series of Voices of the Soul. I hope you watched last time. Uh, I want to direct you to my website, barbarabyers.com. Uh, you can get free notes from today's session, and you can also look at my blog if you'd like. All right, so today we're going to be talking about the will. The will is the capacity within our soul that functions to choose, to resolve, to decide, to determine, and to stand by the decisions we make. Its voice is, I choose, I decide, I determine. And in using that voice, we make choices, sometimes very small, sometimes very large and powerful. But these choices all direct our destiny, and they can really help us mature and grow as we learn how to use our will. The will encompasses the whole soul working together, rising together, and all of its branches. It's truly remarkable, the will, and it's just vital to our growth. So Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Soul, said this of the will. It functions to originate or refrain from originating something. It gives consent and non-consent. So that's our real yes and our real no. It gives us dignity unless we let it get in our way and enslave us to itself. And it enables in us the capacity for self-determination. And that's the capacity to be and to do and to set our course. So it's uh, vital in our soul that we understand the will, that we exercise the will, and that we surrender our will to the Lord. And we want our will to be healthy, alive, active, thriving. God has given us the capacity to make choice after choice after choice and to direct our lives and to direct our thoughts. And the human freedom as to where we set our mind, where we put our thoughts, is the greatest freedom that we have. So we not only have the capacity for determination and decision, but we have the authority to make our choices. And that's important to notice. Uh, when we act as if we have no choice, we are in a mentality of victim. And if we believe that we're powerless without a choice, we'll, we're gonna end up reacting. And our reaction will be either to give up our will to another and let them determine for us and decide for us, or we'll react in a way that's rebellious and we will uh, rise up to choose our own way in a bad way. So what action we choose and we, where we place our thoughts really is our choice, whether we build the good and the true or not. Dr. Henry Cloud, a Christian psychologist, said, we are ridiculously in charge of our choices and therefore what we create by our choices. I like that little phrase, we are ridiculously in charge, because often we feel as if we aren't, but we have the capacity and the authority to direct our thoughts. So the will is essential in building and rebuilding our soul as we abide in Christ. Last time I talked about constructing a soul and the will is absolutely essential in that. Leanne Payne wrote, as we will to be in him, in Christ, he gathers together the scattered parts of ourself we have been separated from. 
Isn't that beautiful? So with our will, we choose to let him do his healing work in us. The will is just essential to our well-being in Christ and to walking in holiness and to not yielding to sin. Choices build habits and habits build character. And these choices help us become established in Christ. I'd recommend reading Colossians uh, chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2 that talks about us becoming anchored and stable and steadfast in Christ. So a lifetime of maturity comes from choice after choice after choice. And we become firmer, we become sure, we emerge as victorious, confident people the beloved of the Lord as we follow him. So it's imperative we understand the centrality of the will and the function of the will. Pastor Mark Pertweet describes the will as the organizing center of our personality, which gives us the capacity to develop a true self. So who we really are, who we really are created in Christ to be, that comes because we exercise our will. It requires agreement or disagreement, and it often requires action. The will is the active authority that should be in charge of what our mind thinks about, what appetites we act from, what boundaries and volume we allow in our emotions, how we govern that, and, um, and all the other things we choose. So it's responsible for governing and ordering all the other capacities within our soul. I wanna say that again. The will is responsible for governing and ordering all the other capacities in our soul, our mind, our conscience, our emotions, and so on. When, when our will is healthy, when it's alive and active, we can actually fulfill the desires of our heart. We can keep our appetites in check. We can govern our emotions. We can listen to our conscience. We can pay attention to our intuition. And we can decide where we're gonna set our thoughts and how we're gonna step forward in obedience. And it's with our will that we choose faith and hope and love and self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit. So Charlotte Mason wrote a book called Ourselves. And here's what she says about the will. I think it's worth quoting. The will is the prime minister of the soul. Think about the British prime minister. The British prime minister is responsible for the government and to the king. And I think that image captures the essence of what the will is. We are responsible to the king of kings, what we choose. And we are responsible with our will to govern our soul and our body. Oswald Chamber in My Utmost for His Highest wrote this of the will. The will is the essential element in God's creation of man. The will is that in man which chooses whether to be or not to be. Sounds Shakespearean, doesn't it? It is with the will that we choose the heaven of becoming. That's, he's talking about our sanctification, how, how we continue to become and grow in the Lord. We choose the heaven of becoming or the hell of the failure to become. So the first and greatest act of our will always is to choose Jesus. When we, when we take in his sacrifice on the cross, we, we become a Christian. We say, I want you to be Lord of my life. That is the greatest and first act of our will. And then that enables all of our other becoming in him. So let's talk for a moment about the will and its relationship to emotions. 
I think we're in a church age where emotions can be too strongly emphasized. They're important, but we need to know where the order and balance is. And so we need to shift our emphasis to faith while also recognizing the place of emotions. If we're not supposed to live out of emotions as our source, then we have to live from the will who directs us to the Spirit. And we can do that so joyously. Dallas Willard wrote, people nearly always act on their feelings and think it only right. We act on our feelings more than we realize. The will is then left at the mercy of circumstances that evoke feelings. Christian formation today must squarely confront this fact and overcome it. So if we're gonna move forward in our maturity, we're gonna to have to recognize the place of emotions and the place of the will and take responsibility to recognize our emotions, but then make righteous choices from our will. F.B. Meyer wrote a book called The Secret of Guidance and he says this, I'm quoting, we have no direct control over our feelings, but we have over our will. Our wills are ours to make them God's. God does not hold us responsible for what we feel, but for what we will. In his sight, we're not what we feel, but what we will. Let us therefore not live in the summer house of emotion, but in the central citadel of the will, wholly yielded and devoted to the will of God. I think he says that well. Our emotional states are not, you see, the test of our spiritual state. Our will is. Um, Corey Ten Boom wrote a story in her book, Tramp for the Lord. And she and her sister Betsy had been interred at Ravensbrück, Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp. They were from Holland and they had helped hide Jews. They were Christians. And in the story, she had been released. Her sister had died in the camp, but Corey had been released and she knew the Lord was sending her around the world to speak. And she was uh, speaking at a Christian gathering. And afterwards, a man walked up to her and she recognized him as one of the uh, guards in the camp. And he said, will you forgive me? And here's what she said. Um, and she immediately felt cold and just, I, I cannot forgive this. It's too horrendous. And she said, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. She's talking about emotions there. Emotions are the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. He had, he had lifted his hand to greet her and say, please forgive me. She said, I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So as she lifted her hand to shake his hand, she felt love flood in. She had the emotion. Love flooded in. And later, in another book called The Hiding Place, she wrote of this same incident again, and she said, when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with that command, the love itself. So regardless of the temperature of our heart, we choose to do the next right thing, and then he supplies 
the grace and the emotion that goes with it. You know, one encounter with the Lord can change us. And often when we have an encounter with the Lord, it's filled with emotion. We, we feel warmth, we, our body may respond, lots of things could happen. But the thing about that is, uh, we have to continue in it by faith. We don't just stay in that one encounter, we continue to walk with the Lord by faith. We persevere in our obedience. In our obedience, we are joyfully concurring with the Lord. So our growth follows obedience. And we find that our character, our disposition begins to uh, be transformed. We begin to change so that what had been uh, natural to us before begins to change. And the more righteous thing, the thing that gets set into us becomes uh, more, more natural and grooves are set into our character. So we, we can see and experience real change as we encounter the Lord and then as we continue to walk in it. We may feel, I think many of us feel, that disobedience is just sort of inevitable, right? Uh, because obedience seems so optional. And indeed, the Lord gives us the choice. But disobedience isn't inevitable. Uh, we're truly, truly designed for obedience. We're created in the Lord by, not only by creation, but by resurrection grace to walk in obedience. And when we engage our will, we can still obey, as Corey Tim Boom says, despite the circumstances and despite the emotions. So I want you to just pause a minute. I've talked about this for a few minutes. And I want you just to consider the question, have you confused emotions with your will? You confused your emotions with your will. Have, or, and or have you overemphasized the place of emotions in your Christian walk? So as you consider that, um, you know, the antidote to that is to simply come and say, Lord, teach me to recognize that and to choose your way. Teach me to live from my will. And you may want to pause just now and ask the Lord that. Lord, teach me to live by my will. Teach me the grace of that and not by my emotions. And we'll take another session later on to talk about emotions and maybe bring a little more clarity to that. But ask the Lord that. All right, how does our will develop? How is it supposed to develop? How has God set things up? Well, he set us in families. And how our will is supposed to develop is by the nurture of our parents. It uh, will develops first in children. And, uh, and our will has to be nurtured to develop well. Parents are responsible to form our character and to bring discipline and help children develop good habits. By the age of two, children have their own voice. <laughs> Whether we want them to or not, they have their own perspective, they have an ability to think independently um, and to say no. So I have 11 grandchildren, uh, wonderfully, and my youngest right now is 23 months. And boy, is he exercising his will. And we see it with the family dog. Now the family dog is 65 pounds. It doesn't matter to Thomas. Every time that dog walks by, it seems, he finds something to correct. He'll, he'll yell no, he'll yell sit, he'll push him away. He really loves this dog. 
but he is you know exercising his will on this creature because his older brothers and sister aren't you know aren't going to bend to his will usually and so he's trying to exercise his will on some some place someone he can exercise his will on and uh, and the dog usually ignores him but when he comes to my house and he's doing something he shouldn't he'll be saying no 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 looking at me and shaking his head yes 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 and so it's adorable in a little one but it's not adorable when we're adults and still doing that. Uh, he's going to have to learn to say a real yes and a real no. And as his will emerges, he's going to have to learn there are consequences to some choices. That's how we learn, is by consequences to our choices. Some parents feel threatened as they see their children's will emerging, so they'll end up subverting their will or crushing their will rather than helping their children. And what, what's needed for the child is to let them come forward with their emotions and their will while helping them to manage that and cultivate obedience. So our wills are formed very early by external nurture, by external instruction, and then we slowly, gradually internalize that good discipline. And we can move away from compliance, just complying. We can move away from fear of punishment uh, uh, into loving obedience, into doing it because it's now in us and we want to do it. We want to obey, we want to obey the Lord. Someone no longer has to tell me what to do. Now I internally know and choose. Uh, it has been formed in me and my will is strengthened in good ways. But sometimes, if we have been dominated by a parent or a coach or a teacher or a grandparent or an older sibling, if we've either been dominated or if we've been left on our will too much to make our own decisions, we can either develop very weak, uncertain wills or we can become self-willed. If we were raised by a very harsh, hard father or mother or influenced by someone else who was dominant, we, we're going to need a freeing and a healing of our will, and I'm going to pray that at the end of our time together today. Uh, we have to come up out of compliance if we're going to mature in the Lord. We have to come up out of fear of punishment, and we have to recognize the authority of our own will. Uh, as an adult, if we can't get appropriately angry when we need to, people are going to be intuitive about that. And they're going to take advantage of us. So we need to learn to exercise our will. One of the false voices of the will is that compliance. And it's, uh, I don't know what to do. You decide for me. The Lord never wants us in that place where we just give up our will to another. Uh, the other false voice is that stubborn, I will have it my way, I demand. But both of those false voices come out of broken places. So just a little of my story, um, I became a Christian, really a committed Christian at 21, and I was raised in a military family, so there was a lot of demand for obedience and compliance. And I really didn't, even as a Christian, I didn't have any ideas what boundaries were, uh, I didn't know I could have boundaries, I just knew I was to comply. And I didn't really have a will of my own. So I didn't know how to separate myself from my parents' will. I didn't know the right kind of boundaries. I took responsibility for other people way too much. 
I didn't know how to keep out things that shouldn't be there. So when I became a Christian at 21, I, I said, Lord, you know, my will is your will, and I'm in it. But there was many years of confusion later on surrounding that and what that meant. I thought it meant just God told me everything I was supposed to do. And, and that happens often with children who are raised just to comply. Uh, a, there's a lot of confusion and lies that tend to surround that sort of pain. We often don't know what normal is. We may even feel like, oh, someone else is living my life for me. And then we end up uh, letting others decide, you know, tell me what I should do. We haven't found our own voice, and it's so important that we have a strong will not a self-will, but a strong will, so we can find our own voice and find what we really desire and then express it in healthy ways, loving ourselves and loving others. Um, when the will is underused, it is weak. And sadly, some people go through their entire lives without using much of their own will. Uh, even with the Lord, we can live in this assumption that He is in control. You've probably heard people say, well, God's in control and that we have no choice. No, that's not true. He is sovereign and he is in charge, but he never controls us, never. And he never puppets us. And in fact, he invites us to work out our own salvation with him because he's at work within us. And that means that uh, he's not gonna control us, but he's gonna invite us into partnership and collaboration with him. It's a beautiful thing. So where our will has been bound to another or by another, sometimes almost extinguished through their dominance, through their evil strength, sometimes through their ignorance or uh, through their neglect, we need the presence of the Lord to come and cleanse that from us, to heal us, to strengthen us anew. Uh, we don't need the will of another commanding us. Uh, I had that in my life for a long time, that sort of military command. Uh, and we need deliverance. Uh, women particularly, I've seen women in many uh, situations where they were dominated where the, because they were passive and they let another control them. Sometimes we've even had teachings that have overemphasized what submission is. And in this case, we're going to have to confess our passivity and take responsibility that we've let someone other than the Lord Jesus Christ have dominion in our life. Um, and that means we're going to have to repent of our uh, idolatry as well. So our will is supposed to be strong, and it's supposed to be both strong and surrendered. And uh, so... How is that? Well, the highest, the holiest use of our will really is to surrender to the Lord. That surrender, though, is not a oh, whatever you want and, uh, you know, I have nothing of my own. It is a strong surrender. It is robust. It is active. It is not passive. And to really say yes to the Lord takes strength of will. It really does. We don't give up our will in the sense that we no longer bear responsibility for our choices. I've heard people say, I have no will of my own. That's not true. And I think what they really mean by that is, I've so united my will with the Lord. But I think we've sort of said that wrong. Um, now, many times 
we yield our way to His way, where His way is greater or more necessary. But our transformation is not all up to God. It is ours as well as we join our will to Him and we trust Him and we partner with Him because He is a good, good Father. So we sort of tend to swing between the passivity of it's all God's, you know, it's all up to God, and the teeth gritting sort of, it's all up to me. But, but neither one of those are the truth. We aren't to live either in that path of least resistance or in striving. Uh, passivity is the absence of having purpose and resolution within me. And that's not right. Purpose and resolution exist in the Lord and we are created in His image. Uh, we can stay passive and we can stay unexamined in our reactions or we can develop good habits. And um, when we start developing good habits, and I will also talk about this at a later time, at first it takes a, a lot of intention, a lot of strength, a lot of sort of conscience cho conscious choice. So what wasn't natural to me before, I have to initiate, I have to, uh, like, like, let's say a daily exercise time. I have to set a time. I have to maybe get a trainer. I have to choose some things. I have to redo my schedule. It has to be very intentions, intentional. And um, then I can make it part of me as I make choice after choice after choice. And then it becomes the natural thing that I do. We can choose to make these good things happen. And we can overcome bad habits by replacing them with good habits. So to choose those things, it's a collaboration of our will with the strengthening uh, grace that he gives us as well. God is not going to do for us what we can do. He doesn't swoop in and do for us what he wants us to choose. And... Um, but he will come and he will meet us with his grace and help us choose. So our heart says, I choose you, I walk forward, but I can't do it without your empowering strength. And he answers us right there in our need. And it's like Corey Ten Boom said, we don't wait for the feeling to come to spur us on. We choose to do the next right thing. So this sort of thing is gonna take perseverance. That's not a word we love sometimes. Uh, but one of the ways our will functions is to help us stay at difficult tasks. It, it, it takes our will to help us endure through difficult things and through suffering and to persevere and to get the reward of that perseverance. And at the very moment we can feel so inadequate and so weak, if we step forward anyway, we're going to find that God meets us there. We're going to receive His strengthening in those very moments. So surrender isn't passive. It is a clear and active choice. It's when we're leaning into Him, strongly leaning, and His Spirit is animating our will. So I read a book called Gray is the Color of Hope. It was written by Irina Ratushinskaya. She was a Russian dissident, a poetess, uh, and she spoke out against the Russian regime and she got um, put in a terrible camp. I think it was in Siberia. I, I can't remember the location. But uh, here's what she wrote about that. First, she called her will her royal will, which I really like. That's her prime minister. She wrote, the circumstances of every person's life are a sort of training, like the training devised for an athlete 
by a strict and demanding coach who knows what's best for the athlete to attain his full potential. So you want to stop running and catch your breath? No, you can't. No, you don't. Come on, keep it up. I'll decide when it's time for you to take a break. So you think you're about to drop? Don't worry, you won't. You'll be all the stronger. You say you can't go on? Nonsense. Of course you can. You simply don't realize how much you've still got in you. You're my pride and joy, so don't expect me to give an inch. (laughs) This is a great description of choosing to obey, even when we think it's too much. Come on, you can take the next step. You can push up that next weight. The Lord shows us it's not too much. We really can obey Him and He strengthens us. And it's like uh, like an athlete in training, the will can actually be trained to become stronger. It's what God wants to nurture in us like a muscle that gets stronger. And then we realize, I really can choose things I never chose before. And it's by holding out and by persevering and continuing that we really do possess our own souls. For example, Paul wrote in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So maybe we're feeling anxious, maybe we're not feeling peaceful. In that moment, we can say, I'm to let the peace of Christ rule. I choose that. I choose your peace. We can actually choose joy and choose peace. And I don't mean we feel it exactly in that moment, but we say, I'm not going to stay in anxiety. I don't have to control that feeling, but I'm going to choose the peace of Christ. And we find he meets us right there. I won't let my heart be troubled. I won't let my heart be afraid. So when we persevere and when we move through these things, looking to our good father, we find that discipline begins to develop in us and we find greater self-governing is possible. Our resolve gets stronger, uh, our Christian life is strengthened, our path of holiness is clearer, and we, we can discern more what God's really about. So Leanne Payne wrote, it is when man is obedient, when he wills to unite himself with God, that he finds himself to be one person, a person whose choices are continually changing him from the very center of his being into that perfected person that shall be. Such a person's will is magnificently free, vibrantly alive and active, infused by the very power of God. Isn't that beautiful? I wanna just repeat that. A person whose choices are continually changing him from the center of his being. You find that your will is so engaged in that and is being strengthened and vibrant. So our real freedom is when our will is bound to him and we have an undivided heart. That's Psalm 86:11. And as James talks about us being double-minded and unstable, we're no longer double-minded. We're no longer unstable. We're no longer ruled by the impulses of our emotions or the impulses of our appetite. Uh, And we no longer let our thoughts and let our attitudes run with us. We choose them. We stand in the right things. Um, You know, psychologists can tell us a lot about, you know, where we've come from and how it shaped us. But they don't really have a vision of what we're to become. But God does. He knows what we're to become. And that involves our will. And when we abdicate our will... When we sin, it really weakens our will and brings it under 
dominion of darkness and it keeps us from moving forward in our spiritual formation. But a healthy will enables us to move forward and pursue the Lord and set in right attitudes and right thoughts. And, you know, for instance, when we're tempted, then with our will, we choose to say no, or we choose to let a thought go. Sometimes our conscience doesn't function as well as it should, and we'll let something through. When the conscience lets something through, that's when with our will, we say, uh-uh, back out. I won't choose this. I won't let it in. Um, and I, I will believe and trust and obey the Lord. So, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you one last example from uh, Corey Ten Boom that illustrates this. So when she and Betsy were in the camp, they were ushered in and they found it was filthy. It was nasty. They had uh, beds for the women and they were full of fleas. Right there, they had a choice to make. And it would be easy in that sort of misery to be filled with self-pity. It would be so easy to go, we're in a concentration camp and now, and now this, you know, to just complain and to sink down. And instead, Betsy, her sister, looked up to the Lord, looked up out of any kind of self-pity. She looked up to the Lord. She focused on the Lord and she said, what do you want? in this place. What do you have for us in this place? And she got Corey and she said, we're gonna thank the Lord for this. We're gonna give thanks. We're gonna give thanks for the fleas, <laughs> right? And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So they gave, and Corey was like, we're, what? And so they gave thanks and they looked up to the Lord and they said, what, what is it that you want? And what they found was hungry, hungry women. They had got a Bible, smuggled a Bible in, and they held Bible studies in the evenings for the women, and the women just gathered around them, and they were so hungry, and they, they realized what had happened was, because of those fleas, the guards wouldn't come anywhere near them. So they had complete freedom to minister to the other women, to do Bible studies, to lead them to the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, the point wasn't the fleas. <laughs> the, the point was, am I going to choose self-pity? Or am I going to be thankful? Am I going to obey? Am I going to trust? And you know, the battle is won right there in that choice. The battle is won right there. So the issue is where we set our mind, where we set our attitude. Uh, and Isaiah 28, 6 says, The Lord will give strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. So right at the gate, they chose the, the way they were going to take. All right, so I think it's time for us to pray for the healing and the strengthening of the will. And so I'm just going to invite you, if you've been taking notes, to set your notes down and just to get in a position to receive from the Lord and to be ready to repent where you need to. All right, come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. First, ask the Lord if your will has been bound by any other person. Maybe he's already showed you that as I've been talking. Has your will been cramped, been bound? I see like a glass ceiling. Has someone put a ceiling or put a lid on you or even maybe almost extinguished your will in some way through their evil, through their dominance, through their ignorance, through their neglect? 
And the Lord invites you right now, as you name that and as you see that, He invites you to forgive them, to release them. When we forgive another, their effect on us can be released into the cross. So forgive each one that he brings to mind, whether they crushed your will or took away your healthy right to choose in some way, took away your voice to speak, took away your authority as a person or didn't help you develop. Just take a moment and forgive, forgive. Maybe someone should have helped you mature, should have helped you to develop internally uh, a strong will, but they just didn't help you. And you feel like you've been uh, left with a weak will because of their neglect. Choose to forgive so that he might heal. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Even now, you're showing people what to forgive. Thank you. How to release. You're so good. You're so good. Now, ask him to show you where you have bent in towards someone. Maybe you have abdicated your will to them when you shouldn't. You've bent in and let them dominate you. That is actually idolatry. Repent of idolatry, name it as idolatry, that you have bent toward another and let them have dominion in your life. Uh, Maybe you've just been passive in some ways and abdicated your will because you've been afraid to stand up. You've been afraid to speak up. Repent to the Lord of letting any other have your will or have undue influence over you. Repent of that idolatry. Lord, even now, I ask you to reveal any sinful dependencies on any persons or things in any way we've tried to get another to give us our identity or make our decisions for us. Any way that we've tried to gain from them what we can only gain from you, Lord. Any way we try to get our worth in another, Lord. You don't want anyone else commanding us. You don't want anyone else demanding of us that we do their will. Thank you, even now you're freeing some. Thank you, Lord, as people repent of this idolatry, you're bringing freedom. Just, Just say, Lord, forgive me where I've abdicated my will to another or where I've been passive, forgive me, where I've believed a lie that I didn't have the strength in you to choose well. Renounce that lie. Renounce that lie, that's not the truth. Lord, for any who have dismissed their will or misused their will for wrong forms of submission or codependency, Lord, forgive this, forgive this, as they renounce their idolatry in the name of Jesus. And even as you do that, where you've been bent toward another, just see with the eyes of your heart, see yourself just straightening up and looking right up to the Lord. Yeah, so that you're not in that bent position, but you're looking up to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your beautiful forgiveness in the cross. Now receive his forgiveness. If you have repented, receive that now. Receive it deeply. We now choose, Lord 
to make our will one with yours. Thank you, Lord. He forgives you. He receives the offering of your will. Thank you, Lord. We surrender. We surrender. Lord, I pray that you heal and free us. Heal and free us. Unbind any who have been entangled with the will of another, the control of another, almost like octopus um, legs and arms wrapping around others. Lord, untangle, unbind, and free. In the name of Jesus, release any who have had an e the, the control of others, the evil dominance of others, or even the immaturity of others controlling them. Release them, Lord. Untangle their will in such a way that they will know now the difference between their will and the will of another, that they can distinguish that. Give them discernment in this. Give them a fresh understanding from your spirit, Lord. Set them free in the name of Jesus. Where there's been confusion and duplicity, Lord, heal, heal, and free. We can get so confused in this, and I ask you to blow away that confusion and bring great clarity. <clears throat> Lord, for those who have confessed their passivity, their atrophy of their will, bring their will to life, Lord. Unite everything within them and create in them the capacity, the desire, the strengthening to choose and to choose well and to come up out of their caves of passivity and to say, I want to be a real person. I want to have the strength and the authority of my will. Lord, gather up all those broken pieces and parts that have been alienated and estranged from you and bless and affirm everything within, everything you've created us for. Just, why don't you just tell the Lord, I, I choose. Choose something. I choose creativity. I choose to be alive. I choose maturity. I choose to initiate. I choose to have a yes. I choose to have a real no. I choose to exercise my will. You might even want to just stand up and take a step forward. Let your body move and make a choice. Make a choice. Now, I want you to just, if you're standing, stand up straight. If you're sitting, sit up as straight as you can. <laughs> I'm going to pray this. Descend into us. Descend into us. Divine, masculine will of God, descend into us and unite our will with yours. Radiate up through us with your very life. Lord, as St. Augustine said, command what you will and will what you command. Thank you, our weak, insufficient, uncertain wills are now united with yours. They are one with you. Release us from crippling influences, Lord. Release us and give voice to our will and to our gifts and to our very being. Let us know more and more and more the real authority we do have and what it means to be filled with your will. Thank you that a surrendered will is a strong will. And we ask that where, wherever we are on our journey of understanding all of this, that you help us choose what is right, 
You bring us to those places where we have grace to choose well and teach us how our will functions so we can cooperate with you. Thank you, you give us all we need. Thank you that you fill us with your very life. Thank you for your purpose and character in us. Strengthen us with your grace that we might live all of that out. out. And, and to you we say, to God be the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you again for joining me today. Uh, my website again is www.barbarabyers.com. And if you look on there, there will be uh, notes from today's message that you are just free to download. And my blog is also on there that you can read. And join me next time, please. Thanks.